Hello and welcome back to Progressive Mindset with myself, Jason Kemsley. I'm Bradley Monday and today we're finishing up our three-part series on driving value within your business. Today we're covering the importance of automation. Jason, let's start with why automation is important within the business. So automation in 2023, as we record this, and I'm conscious this this podcast could last forever. Um, in 2023, when you think of automation, you think of chat GBT, you think of AI, you think of all these weird and wonderful things. But what we're going to talk about and what we're going to look at is how there are even basic automations that can be used and complex ones to drive everything from efficiency, profitability. Um, there is a whole heap of consistency. The words just keep coming to me as, as I speak. It can increase the value of your business drastically, as well as increase the the internal running of your business to help remove you from it, which is ultimately part of the goal we also discussed in the delegation episode. So, Brad, maybe if we start, I've discussed output, I've discussed efficiency, profit. I know you're a big one for accuracy as well. I was going to throw in accuracy and, and really they all come together to, to increase profit. That's the end goal of all of these things. You promised, Jason, that we weren't going to get too geeky, too into the tech in this one. I feel like we're probably not going to live up to that. We'll keep it so that it's as high level as possible. But there's the tech is delivering a lot of this stuff. So we're going to have to get at least a little bit of our geek on uh, during during this episode for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I guess the one thing I like to lay out very early on is many people that I speak to think this doesn't apply to them. Oh, we don't we don't need automation or we don't have the ability to use automation, etc. The vast majority of businesses now use 365 or Microsoft um, Google, both of which have a huge automation engine with, within them and within most licensing a plethora of workflows or automations that you can use. So this is, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you use a SaaS tool or something and automation is definitely something you, you can and should take advantage of. And as we get into this episode, one of the things I'm, I'm keen that we point out as we go along is I think there's two different types of automation that we're talking about during this episode. One is kind of the day-to-day automation as I'm going to call it the using the efficiencies that are in the tools that you've got currently maybe we're purchasing some tools to make a process a little bit slicker and then you've got the flip side of that and to create automation within your business that that's the the market disruptor stuff and I don't I really don't think it's too out of reach of businesses if you've got this this idea then actually you can work with some very very clever individuals in our in a marketplace that can assist you in bringing that idea to life and really create some AI automation that's going to going to change your marketplace and create so some intellectual property right that we can take back into the value conversation once again for for sure and we'll be really key to to point those out as we as we go through i wanted to take a little pause because coming on from the uh, the delegation piece one of the things that i think automation can play a role in is when we set our metrics that we mentioned in the previous episode, we really need to be careful that those metrics are easily reportable. I, I have found I have fallen foul of this for sure is we set metrics for someone without thinking about how we're going to report on these metrics. And the first thing that happens is, hey, if it takes, let's say 10 minutes, if it takes more than 10 minutes 
to collate the metrics, to look at someone's KPIs, OKRs, it's, it's too long. And so we're going to look at automation to find out, right, how do we bring out this sort of stuff so that it's easily reportable and you can measure your people when you're doing your delegation. So I think it plays into this episode really, really well. Absolutely. And you've jumped straight into there what is possibly the first example of somewhere you can make use of this already is um, it doesn't have to be customer facing, doesn't have to be employee facing. One of the very first things you can do is make your reporting, your scorecard, your business dashboard, whatever it is that you're using mm-hmm. to track the health of your product life so- cycle or um, whatever it may be. This is this falls into the automation conversation. We want at a snapshot to be able to look at a person and what they're delivering or the business and be able to see very easily with automation assisting us how healthy or unhealthy or on on target, not on target um, things are. So that's possibly a first good example to jump into. The I know a second one that we're both super passionate about is there are many tasks that are not done with the level of accuracy that you would like. Um, the human traits, the human personality means we do the same thing the same way 10 times and then we start to maybe slowly start, oh, let's do that one bit first, add a bit of diversity or a bit of change and keep it interesting. The super monotonous tasks that do A, then B, yeah. then C, then D. You're let's not going to get accuracy. Let's get speed in there as well as accuracy. So we're really getting into what what are we looking for? Where do we start with? It's all very well us coming along and saying, well, I, you know, automation's important. It's just as important that we talk about where we're looking for this stuff. Where do we sit within our business and start looking for these things? And let, we're, we're going back to previous episodes. The reason we bundle these episodes together is because they all tie in. They all dovetail nicely. It's in our processes, right? We're going to iterate through the processes that we created, look for, the tasks, as you quite rightly pointed out there, we're going to look for the tasks that, hey, what aren't we doing quickly enough or what aren't we doing accurately enough? And they're the places that we're going to start applying uh, some of our automation. Absolutely. And in a, you know, I think we have a, a big demographic of business leaders um, and entrepreneurs, obviously, that listen to this. That is also likely the task that you struggle to delegate because you believe no one can do it in the same speed you can, but it is the same process they would do. And um, so th- these really do dovetail. And and maybe if delegation is not the right option because you believe that person can't do it the same abilities as you, the next best option might be to automate that. So it takes you one minute rather than 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is it may be. So processes are a good place to start looking, as you just said. So you look at your processes, see which stuff you're repeating, right? It's the stuff that you're doing time and time again, weekly, monthly. I wouldn't worry right now about stuff you're doing quarterly or six monthly or yearly. That's not hard hitting. You're not going to get a huge return on investment in the time you put into it. We're focused on those daily tasks, those weekly tasks and those monthly tasks. We are. And I think you've got a tool that you you use and are quite keen on for laying out, okay, we found something you might want to automate. How do we know that's worth the time investment that we're going to put into it? Uh, talk, Absolutely. talk a little bit around that. Yeah, so um, I know, and this was a, a thing that came to me very, very recently, um, but I think there's a few things you have to do before you work out, is this right to be automated? Um, and we'll come to the questions we ask um, and you know, running it through the core values and stuff later and some examples. 
Um, but I'm a big fan of uh, comparing it. So uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, etc., apologies, you can't see this. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can. Um, it's a table. And if you want to find it, you can just Google, uh, click on the images, uh, what would automation save me? And it is a table that basically tells you how uh, you choose how often you do the task and how long it takes you um, uh, or how much you save and how much time would you save over the next five years if you was to automate that. So uh, obviously to make it hard hitting, we're going to choose a, a higher number. Um, but if you do a task every day and you end up saving yourself 30 minutes a day, let's say, across five years, you would have saved five weeks. That's a monumental amount yeah, of time. And I, I, I don't know about you, Brad, but I'm almost certain every business has a task they do daily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly multiple times a week, if if not daily. So there's there's going to be stuff there that you can find. If, if you could go through your processes and your processes are accurately written and you can't find things to automate, I, I would argue you're not looking hard enough. So, <laughs> It's also, this is something that I'm going to come back into the delegation. Uh, this is definitely a task that we can delegate. I would suggest that if your team is big enough, uh, maybe we've got a finance a manager, director there, the CFO, and also your operations person. They they really should be owning this. One of them looking at it from a, hey, how can we create more value and make more money ultimately? And someone, how do we make this operation slicker? And they should be the people that should work together to run through those processes on a on a regular cadence. Now you might decide in your business that's once a year, once every six months, once a quarter. But you can absolutely delegate this. It doesn't have to be you as the entrepreneur running through these things and, and working that out. And, and to take that one step further, something we done internally, which we don't often shout about enough, is um, we created an incentive program around it. We said, you know. You know, obviously, all feedback is good feedback. If you find something you think can be automated, um, and automating it saves an hour a week, we'll we'll pay you a bonus or some sort of incentive payment. And how you structure that is completely up to you. For the time it would have saved across a month, we'll we'll pay back to you. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get those ideas to come out from bottom to top in your organisation. Mm. The further into the weeds you get the more repeatable tasks you find and more room for automation. So we're trying to get those ideas flowing um, up to the line managers, the leadership team, et cetera, so that we can start picking the hard-hitting stuff right. In, indeed. And I think hard-hitting can come from all, all areas of the business, right? It goes back to, well, how much time are people spending on it? It doesn't have to be a super important task, just the repeatable bits. I'm going to throw in the other place you can look for opportunities for automation and and really important automation here is where are your competitors outpacing you if if you're going how are they how are they doing that like they're really doing that much much faster better than us the chances are it's it's not just more humans doing this thing it there's going to be some automation in here of some description so we should also look there not necessarily try and copy but to go and give it put our own flavor put our own spin on it look at it through our lens and on the topic of competitors brad i know this is a, a saying i'm using a lot at the moment but as market leaders you don't get the benefit of hindsight right so you you don't you can't wait for your competitors to pull so far ahead 
because they've immediately then got the advantage. And so when it comes to automation and accuracy and consistent delivery to customers or, or businesses, whoever you serve, this is something we want to be jumping on um, because you know, it's definitely, definitely taking taking off across the uh, across the world and across all industries. There are there are some off the product off the shelf products that you can immediately go and take right that um, will help you with a lot of these things. Maybe maybe you could touch upon a couple of those. Yeah, so in the marketplace they're called uh, low code or no code tools for those that aren't in aren't in the tech space. So that's that's what we're looking for. I think definitely the market leader that ties into so many different products is, is Zapier or Zapier, heard people say it in both both ways. And it's effectively a drag and drop tool that allows you to choose the two products that you're trying to implement. So a good example there might be maybe you've got a, a CRO business like management a system. Yeah, HubSpot, some some other business management system that you're maybe you're raising invoices with it or you you want to do something create an opportunity in another product that's using HubSpot as the example, you want to take the opportunity, raise it in another product that then flows into other things within your business. You choose the two products that you were integrating and you literally say, well, this field, I want to map it into this and create a workflow that says when this thing happens in this product, you pick it up and you go and throw it over here. Right? And we said we would sort of point out when we're in the, the space of, hey, these are sort of day-to-day efficiency drivers and these are the market disruptor. We're, we're very much playing in the, this is a great way for you to go through and go, we're spending time manually taking stuff out of one product, putting it in another. This is a nice little way of, of removing the human element for that and automating it with a workflow, plugging those two together, making them. Absolutely. And, and as a real world example, we have this in our business, um, where when an opportunity is one, it triggers an automation, it fires into another product, creates a checklist for everything we need to do to onboard them, goes and creates uh, a couple of, you know, it goes and triggers loads of other um, workflows that fire and do other things. But basically it's just marked one and then the rest happens and it the right thing goes to the right person to do the next yeah. piece of that. Whereas before all of that, it was probably a two, three hour process of marked one set up the company, take a copy of the contracts, now go and put it in the business system, go put it in this system over here, add them to your newsletter. Um, there's loads of tasks that all seem so, that's 30 seconds, that's 30 seconds. But when you spread it and then you look at, hey, every one in 10, you forget to tick that box on that one. Um, it created real consistency in our onboarding experience. For, for me, the, the amount you just listed off there, it's the opportunity for error that worries me in that, okay, you've only got, and you're talking about some really important stuff that's happening here, the creation of contracts. Ultimately, this is, are we going to build these people correctly? Are we going to be able to demonstrate that that bill was accurate, right? It's all those sorts of things. If we can make sure that, that happens consist accurately every time this consistent process happens, that's what, the, that's what this episode is about for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we could, um, so I've got a bad example of this. I think you then have a good example of it. If we could jump into those, then and it'd be worth us sharing sort of how we choose if something's suitable and linking its core values, etc. Mm-hmm. So I, um, as I think you did as well, we both uh, changed internet providers recently. I changed internet provider. The process from being on their website and clicking pay now or you know subscribe order, whatever you want to say, the the button says, 
all the way through to me having their service and being live, I didn't talk to a single human. I, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I didn't speak to a single human. The entire process was automated. Um, it triggered something in their back end, which then someone picked my my router, router, wherever you're from, that shipped to me the next day. Um, all of my services were auto-provisioned based on what I ticked in the thing. They're taking it to the real sort of ninth degree here. I still have not spoken to a human. And so the cost of them bringing me on board was as minuscule as you can get, I imagine. They, they, there's not much more they could probably do to push down that cost of onboarding for a customer, which is, you know, from their perspective, great. That's phenomenal. That means we can put money into other areas, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So that created a really consistent experience. The re I think that's bad because as a business, I know they, they tend to pride themselves on being a bit more personable. It didn't lost take into consideration. It didn't take into consideration their core values, and I think you've got a similar example where core values were used. Yeah, so I, it's the same example. I did. I changed my broadband provider also, and I had a very similar automated experience throughout. Apart from at the end, after it had all been installed, a human picked up the phone, and for, for, it blew my mind because no one's doing this. Like we've all, as humans, we crave human to human contact right despite the fact that we love a bit of automation ultimately we just want to talk to someone and the fact that they picked up the phone and it was just hey mr monday just checking in just wanted to check that everything was as it should be and that you're happy with the service and for me that it was a five minute call i think because i wanted to jabber on and just chat about how awesome it was that they'd called but it was it was a short call that meant meant the world to me as a customer so the the key point about bringing this up, right, is is the not losing the human contact. Automation is great and it will drive value, but if your customers aren't feeling that love and feeling like they're they're important to you, you don't create you lose that stickiness, and that's when they start. You know, if if someone else calls me and they're a little bit cheaper, why why stay with the faceless organization? There's nothing to drive that, right? Absolutely, and and in most businesses that polishing touch is the most difficult thing to become experts at because it's the one bit when you haven't got time that falls off this unlocks that 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 mm. process for them has you know saved them man hours probably they've had to hire less people for that process and can scale dramatically easier but then they all they need is that one person that delivers 25 calls a day whatever it is it may be that does the check-in and now what they have is a net result cheaper onboarding. They've brought you on for a cheaper cost. And they've also improved your experience of them, which means you're probably going to think twice when it comes to a letter coming through your door with the next promotion from a competitor. Well, the the opportunity for me to talk about it in such a positive light as well. That I've spoken to so many people uh, and used it internally when we are talking about driving up our own customer experience is th this was an awesome customer experience. And so we, we are definitely going on off, off on a bit of a tangent, but it's absolutely important that you do keep this in mind when we're, we're really driving down what it takes to bring someone on board. Right. Absolutely. And so what I wanted to focus on is, yeah, there's some examples, et cetera, of automation, automation, Everything we've discussed before still comes into play. 
So we discussed core values and our why and things like that in previous episodes. All of these things are not immune to going through that filter, to going through that sieve of does it meet, does it fit with our core values? If you have a core value of being personable or you know, pick up a phone, whatever it is it may be, your automation still needs to flow through that filter. It still needs to um, be attached and looked at from the angle and perspective of does it meet our core values? It is not immune to that in any way, shape or form and actually can just enhance all of those if used correctly. No, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Before we, um, before we just sort of wrap up the whole, the whole process end to end there and make sure that we're super focused on the what's, the why's, the wherefores, let's take a pause and talk about the market disrupting thing. Because this, this is where I come alive and uh, the geek in me comes out. And I'm going to try and suppress that as much as, as much as possible for those people that aren't into the tech. But when you go out there and you look at the marketplace for the automations that you've, ident you've identified this thing, if only this was a bit slicker or automated in some way, we could apply some sort of tech and you go out to the market and you can't find it. The Zapiers of the world don't automate and those kind of things. This is where I think the opportunity for market disruption comes alive. If you if you want it, there is a good chance that other people want it and that sort of stuff. And even if they don't, if you can create something that's unique to you and, and not shared, all the better, right? So there are a plethora in today's world where we're so connected, there are a plethora of very, very capable developers, engineers that are out there waiting to bring your ideas to life. And I, I absolutely encourage that. Do not go, uh, well, I couldn't find that tool. So let's just let's just park this one. It's not possible. I, I, I applaud everyone that takes it to that next level and just goes to investigate. Get your NDAs done. Make sure that you're super covered because the amount of good ideas I've seen stolen as well is a developer if you've not got the right stuff in place, they'll take that and they'll run with it. So, and I don't want to discourage it. Just make sure you cover yourself with, with the right documentation uh, and then see if we can bring that idea to life. It doesn't take long. It's not got to cost the earth for them to at least test the waters. Can we integrate with this product? What's it going to take? What's that uh, time investment? What does that Absolutely. look like? And then you can make a very informed decision going back to your well, if it's going to save me five hours, but it costs way more than however many times we do it in a month or a, across a six-month period, we can start to work out whether this is a worthwhile investment for your business. And it's, it's using the principles that entrepreneurs have learned for hundreds of years, right? It's the, the idea of finding something and believing you can do it a bit better that usually mm -hmm. starts many of the, the great businesses that are out there. Um, specifically on this topic, we sit in the tech technology industry i do believe it's something that moving forward five ten years every business is going to have a budget for development or um, some sort of intellectual property creation or maintenance much like you know um, finance was then included and we have to have a cfo we have to have a finance director okay now we have a have, have to have a cto we have to have a uh, a technical director the, the scope for impact, the scope for disruption and change means it's, it's quickly catching up and actually you're going to have a, a development director or whatever it is that may be. And that is worth possibly investigating, hey, what what's it going to cost? Even if it's a day a week of someone or one day a month, 
and they give you a proof of concept. This is what we could do. This is what we could save. And then putting that into your vision. We were talking, you know, we talked about vision a few episodes ago. Is this stuff, if, if it is a cost, should at least be in your vision because it is going to be something that gets incorporated at some point in time point in time maybe if not now we i know we've we have an internal dev department um we're, we're very fortunate we're, so we are fortunate um in some ways i'd say we're not fortunate we saw the need um and made a you know a, a wise decision at the time but mm-hmm. fortunate in that we found the right ones etc how can people make sure they find the right person for that you're because most people you know, they're not going to go and hire a dev they're quite an expensive resource. If you're going out to a company, what what are the do's and don'ts? Okay, not so. So I think you apply the same good practices that we should be applying elsewhere in our business. In terms of, first of all, we're going to get down what is it that we're what what are we trying to achieve here, and we want to get that down on paper. And then from there, we want we almost want them to repeat that back to us. Get your developer or whoever you're engaging with. They've got to be able to to repeat that back to us. We want to make sure that they've got a deep understanding. Believe it or not, and I've had experience of this, it is possible to create a product that functionally delivers what you asked for, but is absolutely not what you wanted. <laughs> we, we've Absol- had this. It's a very strange scenario where I didn't, the two almost sound like they don't go together, where it's, well, this is what you asked for, Mr. Customer, and it actually wasn't my, was my vision is doing all the things just not quite in the way I'd imagine we've some we've done some really technical integrations that probably exceed the norm I would have said we've you know very very complex things there but there's a lot of you know offshore you've got to watch that communication yep. piece as well right and that's what I mean about having your developer repeat back to you the understanding make sure that they've They've really got what we're creating here. If it's middleware, do they understand the two products and what they're meant to do on either end? Uh, and and beyond that, make sure there's regular check-ins. I think that's the thing as well is if we agree, say it's 100 hours worth of work to, to develop something, we don't want to say, right, okay, I, I get that you understand it. I'll see you in 100 hours. Obviously not consecutive, but we need check-ins. Where Absolutely. have we got to? What can you demonstrate to me? They should be able to demonstrate along the way. We should be having it in check-ins. Is this what you meant? Does this meet the roadmap so that we can actually, if we got the wrong person, we, we either want to set them straight, give them that opportunity to fix it, or we need to, to cull them, take what they've built, and then move on. So just to summarize that, I think there's two main points. Um, treat them like an employee in terms of you would have check-ins with an employee. You wouldn't just, here's the brief is the solution you would have check-ins and progress mm-hmm. updates etc and and second secondary to that and i think possibly when we had the experience we you know years and years ago now is a good developer should want to understand the business problem they shouldn't just want to know what you want to do so um every developer you know knows how to code or create xyz a fantastic developer understands what you're trying to do or achieve and then we'll turn that into xyz zeros and ones yeah um if they don't have any concept of the the business issue that you're trying to uh, fix and i've seen some fantastic organizations um 
that will come in, sit with you, look at the business problem firsthand, and then feed the, oh, you could do this, 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 and this. We'd recommend you do this. And then they go do the zeros and ones because they know what was ultimately due to happen. Yeah. And they know what's possible from that technical perspective, right? Sometimes, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we do need also to, to have our ideas brought into reality somewhat. And I think thinking big is awesome. Uh, sometimes we might have to do it in phases. Absolutely. If you're not a tech business, you probably have a visionary or if you're not using EOS, someone that can see where they want the business to go. Sometimes you just don't quite know how to achieve it. And then that's when that falls into place. The old, the same thing ultimately applies in terms of whatever you have, you run that back through your core values. You run it back through the, what is it we're trying to be? What is it that makes us stand apart? Just like you do again with the potential hiring or employees, um, because you want to make sure that that, that piece stays relative and, and um, applicable to your business. Um, I'm a big one for a couple of questions. Um, so when it, and there's any automation, I care about capturing, and I'm, I'm quite big on this, and I know we're going to do an episode on what does success look like in various mm -hmm. capacities. Um, when looking at su success of an automation or, or something we're going to try and improve, I like to capture what is it we're automating? It's a short description. Why are we automating it? What are we trying to achieve? Are we trying to achieve accuracy? Are we trying to achieve a consistent experience for the customer? Are we doing it to literally make more money? We got to capture a single point as to what the main driver is. And then thirdly, and finally, how much time is it going to save? Or what investment does it require? You capture those three things midway through, two days in, whatever checkpoints it is, you just keep referencing the same three points, the same three items. Because what does happen and I've seen this firsthand, and Brad, I think we've both probably both been through it, is you start with the idea, and this is probably a development nightmare for, for the developers. You start with an idea, and then as you see what's possible, the idea moves a little, and you, oh, we could do this and this and this. And then it continues, and it's a never-ending. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, going to say those exact words. You, you, get a never, you get this never-ending thing is understand where the end goal is right that's what you're getting at is what are your outcomes and also how they measure it but yeah we started off this episode with what are the metrics for success for this particular thing for people and that sort of stuff so yeah what are your success metrics they've got to be measurable otherwise you have no idea whether this you know shiny new thing that you've built is actually creating the desired desired outcome so you've got to have measurables there be that the time saving assuming it's measurable and those kind of things. So it can be super simple, but make sure it's measurable. And we're talking a lot about stuff that can cost a lot of money. Just to jump back into what we were talking about earlier, a lot of the platforms that people use, whether it's HubSpot, whether it's 365, Google, et cetera, they, these all have a lot of things in that are free and are included with your licensing. HubSpot has a massive workflow engine. Um, Microsoft has a big workflow engine a lot of which have templates out of the box. So you don't have to be technically lit, you know, savvy, I guess, to be able to understand some of these things. You have to be a logical person like most business owners tend to be so that you can logically be able to read what it does, how it does it, etc. But most of these starting points you can do free of charge are in your SaaS products out of the box. Yeah. I don't know a SaaS product doesn't have some sort of workflow engine. 
So yeah. we can start with doing the most we can do in what we have and then start looking at, right, we've got HubSpot, which we've, you know, we've got working the best we can. We've got this business management system we've got running the best we can. Now we want the two to talk as well. So let, let's let's end on uh, super easy. Ta- Maybe you've got some super easy takeaways as well. Um, but I, I still see so many people that are, and I've actually fallen back into this because I couldn't find a product that met everything I needed it to do. But for the mo- for most people, just booking meetings. We're backing and forth in with about three different people going, when are you available? What time works for you? Microsoft 365, you've got bookings. There is a tool, probably in the license you're already paying for, you send a link, someone can create their meeting at a time that you know is convenient for you because it's in your diary. That, I think, on the to start with, if you're not into automation, that is a that's a great automation to start with. To save your time. They have the, the time saving there can be significant. The more people we have in your meeting, the more time we're saving. Let's get a bookings. You've got Calendly out there as well, which I think still has a free free version. Get some of these tools in. Make your, make your meeting booking that much easier. Uh, is there any that you want to leave us with, Jace, that are just out of the box most people have already got? Oh, there's, there's an absolute plethora of them um probably my my biggest one is the the customer onboarding piece is in most products that i i in in hubspot is a prime example of this when an opportunity is marked one fire this email Mm -hmm. now that seems like the world's simplest workflow and automation but just to to sort of dumb this down to prove a point customer has won the contract send an email and tell them what to expect next if there is a five-day wait because you've got to get some manual bits together, send an email. Hey, hey, first name. Uh, you know, thank you for signing the contract. Super looking forward to work with you. And that can be the difference sometimes between expectations being set or not set. So I, I took it real back to simplistic nature there, but I'm a big one of I've done X in the opportunity pipeline, do Y, and most often it's sending an email update the end date that's a great one for pipeline management when i move when i change the probability percentage update Bring the uh, update the value or update the end date they're, so they're more... things that otherwise are super time intensive tasks yeah and and super easy like you said so if you don't have those definitely go and get them look i, I think we've come to an end there um we really really hope that your automation juices that's what i'm going to refer to them as your automation juices are flowing. Um, go straight away. Get out there. Think of some things that are super easy in your business just to start to tease this process along. And we'll see you on the next one. See you on the next one.